Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Do you know how to calculate the exact amount that you need to charge your clients in order to earn 20% profit on that project? It's simple to do if you know how. Learn how by downloading our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, today at entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 226, and this week, Robert Yoon of Morfolio is back, and we're talking about successful project planning for small firm architects. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and much more at arcat.com. FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work that you love. And Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Robert Yoon, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. It's good to have you back. This is your third visit back here. Um, let me introduce you, and then uh, and we'll get into a little bit about who you've, who, uh, where you were and where you're going and all that good stuff. Robert Yoon builds tools and software. He's a partner at design agency uh, Dixon & Moe. 
and the co-founder of Section Cut and Monograph. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur, a trained architect, and an expert in designing software solutions. And he's zealously productive. This is Robert's third time back here, as I mentioned, episode 133, where he shared his story and got into Section Cut and Monograph and all of the the origin story of where he came from and how he got to where he, he is. Um, so if you want to sort of learn more about Section Cut and and the origins of Monograph and, and a little bit more about Dixon and Moe, the design agency, go back to episode 133. And then uh, I invited Robert back for episode 150 to talk about how to build beautiful websites. So that's a great episode about what should be in a website and, and what makes a a successful and, and effective website. So go back to episode 150 to learn about that. Today, uh, I wanted to invite Robert back for an update, sort of get back into uh, to what's going on. He's got a, an active um, uh, firm over there, and he's building building a couple of businesses, and Monograph is growing and, and evolving, and new things are happening. So I wanted to uh, bring you back, Robert, to, to sort of give us an update on what's happening. So why don't you start a little, just sort of remind us of your origin story and then uh, give us an update on Monograph and what's going on over there. Sure. Uh, I'll make this quick since there, there's a couple episodes that covered my origin story. But just so everyone can get up to speed, uh, train as an architect. I grew up in Chicago, did my MARC and MS at University of Michigan. Uh, worked at a couple firms, both big and small, before uh, striking out on my own to start the agency. Um, and now really focusing on, on Monograph, the, the brand and our new product called Monograph Dashboard. Yeah, and Monograph Dashboard. Talk about that a little bit. What What is Monograph Dashboard? Because Monograph, when you first launched Monograph, Monograph was all about websites, which you're still still doing. But there's yes. a new new uh, product at Monograph. And so uh, so what's going on over there? Yeah. So, you know, Monograph websites is still going. Um very popular. We have 700 plus architects there on that platform. Uh, but along the way, we also received a lot of requests on, on other things that are that need solutions for that are just headaches in terms of running a, an architectural practice. And a few of those things are better time tracking tools, better project management tools, better better project planning tools uh, in general. So that's really the inspiration of where Monograph Dashboard started. I uh, was really listening to our early customers, really relying back on my previous experience and now looking to solve some of those problems. Yeah, I, I, this, is an epi- this is a common request to Entree Architect from the community, always asking where, what's a reference or a recommendation for a product that can manage projects, that can you know, uh, plan out projects. And, and, and there, up until now, there really hasn't been a a great solution for small firms. There's a bunch of solutions out there for large firms. Um, mm-hmm. And there are some non-architecture focused planning tools. Um, but there was never really anything really for us smaller firm architects. And so when, when you showed me Dashboard, I'm like, whoa, Dashboard is exactly <laughs> what everybody's looking for. We should, we should talk about this on the podcast. So um, why don't you get into Dashboard a little bit and, and, um, and what it is, how it works, and then we'll we'll talk about project planning a little bit. Yeah, it's it's fairly straightforward. We're still very young, very new, and building a lot of features. But some of the core features that we we wanted to focus on early and make sure we get it right was just making time tracking simple. 
uh, making sure that time tracking can be based on phases and by projects. Uh, and another big thing that I think most competitors don't have is to make sure you, as a small firm, you can switch roles fairly easy on a project. Uh, meaning you can you can be a small firm and sometimes you have to wear the hat of a principal and sometimes you have to wear the hat of a, of a designer um, and to make sure that you can track accordingly on, on both types of roles. Yeah, I think that's that's key, you know, because for our community, uh, I'm always talking about the, the, the many hats we're all wearing um, <laughs> and to be able to track our time in, in each one of these roles, which then can also be tracked to different um, uh, uh, amounts that we're billing for that type of work. Um, because sometimes we're billing, if we're doing drafting work, we're billing at one price. And if we're, we're, we're uh, designing, we're billing at another price. And so it's, it's, uh, it's great to have a tool that we can, we can change things around like that. Yeah. And I think what's one of our most popular features right now that's, that's finished and it's really early, but it's just an easy way to just visualize well, how much of the fee is left and how much of the fee you've used. Um, not just numbers, but really in the visual way. And that's, that really theoretically shouldn't be that hard, right? Like if you're logging your time and you're tracking how many hours you're working and how many, how much of that is worth, um, should be really easy for us to, for me to tell you back visually how much fee you've, you have left. So, and, and I love that part of, of dashboard. I, I was, before we get too deep into this, I just want to let everybody know that this is not a commercial for, for monograph or dashboard. It's just, uh, Robert showed, showed it to me. I loved it. And I just wanted to, to, uh, bring, bring Robert on here and talk about it. So I just wanted to, to let everybody know that this is not a, a commercial or, or a paid advertisement. Um, but I do like it. And so, um, that's one of the things I do like about it, Robert, is that, um, you can you can budget the time, and you can budget the value, and you see them simultaneously on your, on the software. So you can see where you are in terms of time and where you are in terms of budget, you know, and from multiple projects all at the same time on the same dashboard. Mm-hmm. So talk talk about um, you know if we needed to plan out a project. You know, what are the things that we need to focus on, whether we're using a tool like Dashboard or not, and we just want to put together, a, you know, a, um, a spreadsheet of some sort. What are the things that we need to be focused on uh, in order to properly plan out a project? Yeah, well, there's quite a lot of things to, to focus on, especially running a, a phase-based project. Um, one of the few things that we can all do a little bit better is just really understanding the value of tracking time. I know it's really difficult and, you know, there, there's a lot of other tools out there and they're all very good. Um, you can even use Excel. Those are fan, they're fantastic options depending on the size of the firm. But just placing some value of really understanding how you as an individual and you as a small team uh, are doing based on your time. Because from there, it would be, be quite easy to, to even know are you quoting correctly um, are you are you profitable before you look at your bank account? Um, those are really simple things that I think are, are crucial in the early process of just setting the system up so you can you can track your own time appropriately. You really can't properly plan a project without tracking your time, right? I mean, it, you, you, correct. And and too many architects try; like they skip yeah. it because it's tedious. They skip it because. Honestly, I don't even like to do it myself, but I, you know, you, you have, these are, these are critical things to do, um, or you don't have any metrics. You, you really have no, no insight into your own, your own operations. Yeah. As a sole practitioner, 
you know, there are many people think that they don't have to, you know, I'm the only guy here. So why do I need to track my time? But in order to, to be able to plan out your projects and to know how long things take, um, you have to track it. You have to be able to put that data into some sort of tool that you can go back and look at how long things took. Right. And, right. and that not only for planning, but for billing, you know, and, and to, to, to understand how much your time costs you mm-hmm. uh, to, to complete a project. So, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. Oh, no, I, I think there's, you know, there's, there's ways around it. I've, I know a few of my friends have, they, they track, they build basically by hour. Uh, so essentially they don't lose any value. Uh, but at the same time, it's also hard if you're not tracking by hour initially. Um, and even then, it's hard to then gauge profitability if you're only billing for hours. Uh, a lot of other firms build project-based fees. Uh, that's where time tracking becomes even more crucial because you, you do really want to know how much your hourly work is uh, after a project is completed. How important is it to to uh, to have a tool that you can that can be remote? You know that can go with you. In modern day times, so important. Like it's just it's especially if, if if you know we were using Revit, we're using advanced three D modeling programs. Like you have a, a, a pretty powerful machine, but also most of us are on the go. So like the ability to access information on your mobile devices, to access information on on a tablet, uh, is so important these days. Like it, most of the principles now that I know, it's you're always on the go and you just can't take that desktop with you. So once you have your your time strategy figured out and you start tracking your time, what's what's the next thing that needs to be tracked or 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 um, included in your planning? Uh, I I think the next step it has is really understanding how you invoice. Um, I know a few friends are still based on on phase based invoicing, which I I think is is very difficult. Um, and and we do it. In my firm at Dixon Mo, where we provide a service, we build software for other companies. Um, it's very difficult to invoice and bill on a phase-based structure. Um, my highly recommendation to most firms is to go monthly. Um, figure out then percentage based on fee. It's either phase-based or hourly, but this way you you can predict uh, your monthly recurring revenue. So get into that a little bit because I don't really understand that. So so if I'm going to do a project and the total fee is a hundred thousand dollars, let's say the the project cost is a hundred thousand dollars. Sure. Um, so wh- what do you recommend in terms of how to bill to that to the services that for that hundred thousand dollar project? Yeah, and, and keep in mind, everyone. Like I'm speaking from a perspective of. Uh, designing software as a service. So there might be some some differences in terms of providing architectural services. But let's say a fee of 100,000, phase one of the of that project might be, let's say, schematic design. Um, and we're gonna say it's gonna take three months. Uh, and it's gonna worth 30%, so $30,000. $30, what I would do is I would tell the client, well, the way I would, I would invoice you, it's, it's 10,000 a month. Uh, the, the amount I invoice is disassociated with the task I deliver, right? Like it's, it's still the goal is to finish the phase in three months, but for me to run a business, this is how, this is how we're going to invoice. Um, and it's going to be one every 
first week of the month, you have net 30 to pay, and it's $10,000 each. That's very interesting. And so, so you figure out your total, mm-hmm. your total fee. You figure out, uh, based on experience and tracking your time, how long each phase takes. Correct. Come up with a percentage, and then that percentage is your, your phase. Well, what if you don't know how long your phases are going to be? Best, best guess, right? Like it, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard and I think you, you have to adjust your, your contract and the way you invoice in a way where you can predict what your next month's invoice and billings are going to be. Uh, and really what I like is to disassociate that from, from actual deliverables. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not working, but it does mean this is how we're going to, this is how my business operates and this is how we invoice. Um, and that kind of helps in future conversations. Well, why are you going to invoice me when you haven't done that much work? Um, and that's because now that's already off the table, right? Like this is, this right. is, this is how we engage each other from a, from a business to, to a customer, uh, as a service. This is the way I operate. Um, and you know, it's, it's this or, or you can go somewhere else. Um, but this way it really allows me to forecast. I can see, I can see a year to two years out of what my, my monthly, uh, billings are going to be, which really takes a lot of the pressure off and I can really just focus on design and providing good service. Yeah. Just a, a few weeks back, maybe a month back, I had a, um, uh, Blair ends the author of pricing creativity and the, mm-hmm. uh, win without pitching manifesto. Um, and he talks about value-based pricing, which is exactly what you're talking about. T- take, Correct. Take the hourly pricing away and the percentage-based pricing away. Take the pricing away from the deliverables, and you're you base the va- the price on the value of what you're bringing to your client. And so, um, and you could base it on all those percentages and whatever you want. But mm-hmm. what you're presenting to a client is that you you're going to um, provide this result, and this is the cost for that result. And all of the stuff that goes along with that is doesn't matter to the client. What matters to the client is that they're going to get the result, and this is what that result costs. So there's right. value to that result, and here's the cost for that value. And then once you have that set up that way, and what Robert's saying is now you can you have that big lump of money that you're going to get paid, break that up into uh, phases, and then break that up into monthly billing. And mm-hmm. that's the importance of tracking your time and tracking your projects so you can see and you can start predicting how long these phases really do take. If you don't track your time and track your progress and the amount of work that you're, you're providing in that amount of time, you don't know, which is why right. it's important to track your time and, and, and to understand how projects uh, are developed. And so right. I, I, I love that idea. Um, of, and I've been thinking a lot about pricing. I think architects, it's something we all struggle with a lot. <laughs> Um, about how we should charge for our, our services. How much should we charge and what structure should we charge? Um, and I really like this idea of value-based pricing. Yeah, and it just keeps it simple. Like the client knows it's very predictable for them too. Like it's it's almost like paying rent or anything else. Like as long as we're working, they, they, they don't have to figure out, well, this month I'm going to have to pay you more. Next month I'm going to pay you less. Um, it's just one price for them consistently throughout that phase. Uh, what, what I do want to say, like, you're not going to get it right the first time. I didn't get it right the first time. It takes experience to understand and, and better scope work, which is still very important. Uh, there's no way you can deliver on, on a project that we don't know how to scope a work, uh, project appropriately. And that um, takes experience, right? It does. It does. Like, to be honest, we, my firm, the, 
we've lost money or almost our, our first year, first half of the year until we can kind of get it right and get a really better understanding of how do we work, actually work, um, how fast can we provide service, how well can we provide service, and what what are market rates that we can we can actually win. Right? Like if, if we're winning jobs too easy, that sh- you should reflect on that. Um, are you are you too cheap, um, or are you just gaining popularity, which is good? But there's there's a difference, right? If you're too cheap, there's there's move there's movement. There's a lot there's wiggle room for you to essentially ask for more fee. Um, and if you're not winning work uh, when you think you should be winning work, then maybe you're too expensive, um, and you should reevaluate that as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear in pricing. You know, I th- I think that many of us bill hourly or percentage. Because mm-hmm. that way we don't have to guess or we don't have to, to commit to a number, right? And whatever, right. If it's hourly, we get paid for every hour we work. If it's a percentage, we get paid whatever the project costs. You know, if the project gets bigger, we get paid more. If the project gets smaller, we get paid less. So it's right. very easy to do that. It's convenient. Um, and there's no fear in that. And so when you go to a value-based uh, pricing system, there's a fear to that. You know, I, I've always billed percentage-based because it's sort of, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've felt that it's, that it's um, uh, it's the most fair process, and that's a whole other argument. There's a lot of people who mm-hmm. disagree with that, um, but I think it's fair because it goes up and down with whatever the the client chooses to to you know the, to proceed with. You know, they get to approve the project as it goes along. They approve the process, and they they approve the the budget, and then our fee goes along with with that fee. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really starting to reconsider this after my conversation with Blair, and now talking with you, Robert. Uh, about pricing and and how it makes the the cash flow better and the way mm-hmm. the business because Blair's t- sort of talking about pricing and the psychology of pricing. Um, I think that's episode two nineteen. If anybody wants to go back and listen to that, um, and but Robert's talking about how do you how do you um, more effectively plan out your projects and get billed and make sure there's this cash flow coming in. Um, and I like that too. I like that you know I can break up my fee and say okay I know that I'm in in. August, I'm going to get this much money because mm-hmm. I have this project, I have this this overall fee, and this is how much it's scheduled to bill out in August. Um, that makes my business run smoother, uh, yeah. and so that's really important. I love that. Yeah, it's part of the planning and strategy process. This is like not you know you're not even putting pen to paper yet. It's really just thinking about. How how far do I have to look out? When do I have to really step on the on the business development process again? Um, and all this helps, right? Like if, if you can simplify your and make your monthly billables uh, predictable, you you can now make really easy decisions. Like because you can see out like August I'm fine, December I'm not. Uh, that and uh, you should also know then like it takes me about three months to to find new leads to develop new business so that means I should probably start in October knowing that I'm gonna be low on 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 revenue in December yeah I'm gonna start I'm gonna start diving into this value-based pricing a little bit more <laughs> I really I I'm I'm inspired by what you're talking about from a business point of view and uh, and I I think it's it makes a lot of sense I think from the client's point of view it really uh, is a is you know it's what they're looking for too. They want the certainty of a, of a price. You know they they I want this result and this is what I'm going to pay for it. Right, right. Because I think there's a psychology when you go hourly and like, well, why did why did one set of drawings take you to, you know four times as long as the other? 
Um, and then now, you, now you're stuck in a position where you have to defend uh, why that process took a little longer, why troubleshooting for, for that design strategy took a little longer than, than the other components of the, of the project. Um, and it really puts the architect or, or the designer in, a, in an awkward position. Um, and then there's moments where experience pays off and you do something really fast. Um, but you're only capturing the value of just that, that few hours when really that's worth, you know, it's worth a lifetime of education or right? a lifetime of experience. Well, let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Well, this episode is released on Friday, June 22nd. You know what that means. That means I am in New York City. Are you in New York City this week for AIA Conference on Architecture? If you are, if you're here in New York, come visit our friends at RCAT. And you may just find me there as well. Just look for the big red A at booth 707 at the Javits Center. Some Grab some coffee this morning with RCAT. They've been serving it up all week. Uh, and all throughout the day, their BIM expert, Robert Wagand, will be at the booth explaining their new Revit plugin, Biminit. So check it out. Come stop by booth 707-707 anytime today to learn more about how RCAT can save you time and money finding product information for all your projects. And uh, like everything RCAT does, completely free. Remember, in the expo, find the big red A. You might find me. And if you're not here at the conference, you can check it out online. You can check out everything RCAT has at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Go there now. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. And getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice seconds after starting their free trial. I did exactly that. The same goes for tracking time, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. It's fast, it's easy, it's life-changing. And if you need help at any time, their free award-winning customer service is just a phone call or an email away. And if you ever have a second thought, don't worry. On top of your free trial for Entree Architect listeners, you get a free 30-day money-back guarantee. So you don't ever have to worry about choosing FreshBooks. You can give it a try for 30 days. Just visit entrearchitect.com FreshBooks and then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Check them out to access your free unlimited 30-day trial. Payroll and benefits. I'm just going to let that soak in a little bit. Payroll and benefits. Payroll and benefits. That makes my spine tingle. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business like us. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And the old school payroll providers, they just don't get it. They aren't built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy for you to get it right. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. And to help support the Entree Architect podcast, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Listen up. 
Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto. Go check them out at entrearchitect.com slash gusto and claim your free three months of payroll processing. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. When you talk about project planning, I mean, the whole idea of a, of a plan is to look at the end result and then break it down into pieces mm-hmm. and, and plan it and, you know, say this is what's going to happen when and this is how much we're going to get paid for that. And so when you have a large project and you have multiple people working on that project, What's the best way to sort of break down that project into the different roles that were that that um, that we have the different people working on that project? How do we keep track of all of that? Yeah, I think like having having a good one team culture so that there's 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 a system in, in team meetings to kind of stay on top of things. Uh, good tools to track deliverables, of course. Um, great communication tools. I think emails is really dated. Um, no one generally loves to read and write emails anyway. Uh, most of the time, the, the psychology around emails is very formal. Um, I think what's really important that a lot of new firms are starting to pick up our internal internals chat communication mm-hmm. um, as a way to just really stay on top of a project, make communication easy. Um, and that really is deformalizing the, the email format. Um, my team uses Slack. I love Slack. It allows me to break things down to channels. I have topics. Um, and then this is how we can keep each other's like, you know, what's the, the, my software development team and their progress on monograph and my other software development team and their progress on client work. Um, it really keeps me a really great oversight quickly in, into every project that's going on. Yeah. I use, I use Slack as well. I have, I, I use Slack for many, many different groups that I am, I'm working with. Uh, the entire Entree Architect Academy is built, uh, you know, the, the, the member forum is built on Slack. I use Slack for my architecture firm. So all the communication is done through, through Slack. We don't do any email anymore, um, you know, with, internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I use it for my family, too. I use it for whenever, you know, my kids and I are doing projects. We organize all our thoughts and our notes and everything in our own family Slack channel. And so um, I love Slack. I think it's a great tool and it's a great way to communicate. Um, is, is there any way to sort of, it, is, is Dashboard integrated with Slack or do you just use them as two separate tools? Two, two separate tools. Uh, we are, me and my team are thinking of ways to build in communication tools because we think that that's, that's a viable component in any type of project delivery. Um, so we are, we are thinking of ways to include like communication features inside of Monograph. Um, I don't want to talk too much because I don't want this to be an advertisement yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. Monograph. But I can tell you one of our larger larger ideas for the next five year plan is probably to see if we can start uh, building communication tools outside of your firm too. We want to make sure that we make it simple for you to communicate with the consultants, architecture, and the 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 business of building buildings uh, goes beyond just architect, right? Like it, it requires not just a team internally, but also like your consultants, your structural engineer, your electrical engineers, your builder. Um, there's quite a lot of players 
Um, and I think this is where, where the, the promise of, of modern rap becomes really, really interesting for, for myself. Um, it's really like, well, one can first problem is, can I solve the project delivery in the firm? And then the next problem is, can I solve the problem of, of communicating that project delivery across all teams? Yeah, I, I love that it, it's so early, you know, because we could, because we can sort of um, help you build it. You know, that if that if we get into the to the to the software, actually, I I'm I'm using it for one of my projects. Um, and I just it's it's going to be great to be able to to use it and then give you some feedback. And then you can, you know, as it develops and it evolves, it becomes a, a more more refined tool specifically for us who are who are using it. It's uh, very cool. Um, so, and I and I agree. I I don't want to dive too deep into it um, because I don't want people to think that's what we're doing here. But but so we we talk about time tracking. We talk about um, budgeting. We talked about uh, communication. What mm-hmm. are what what are some other critical um, pieces of of planning out projects effectively? Yeah. I think one of the largest things is make sure you have some experience in your your scoping projects well. Um, I think I don't think enough conversation is ever around like scoping work, um, even before the planning stage, because like it's if you cannot scope and you scope wrong, it really affects everything. Um, and I really want to make sure to to have a really good idea of how long a project takes means you do need to have some experience doing those projects and really understanding the scope and timeline um, and really to put put some effort before the planning and the delivery of a project to really understand, well, how long is this project going to take? Um, simple tools might be using Gantt charts, right, like to really understand and, 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 and visualize uh, work. I, I think generally as architects, we're all visual profession, professionals. Um, use visuals, sketch if you don't want to use use a digital tool. Use trace and kind of visualize. Well, what's what's your timeline going to be? Uh, use calendars. Um, you, like there, there's so many ways to kind of visualize the planning process, and I think that helps a lot of other other design professionals. I, scoping is in, in, uh, one of those things that many people have many different definitions for that. So when mm-hmm. you're talking about properly scoping out a project, what do you mean by that? So, uh, for example, uh, we, we built a lot of websites. Um, I can easily scope a website for, for three months. I can scope a website for two years. It really depends on all the features there and components. Uh, a a tech technique that me and my team do with every, with every lead that's somewhat complicated is we, hit, we go to the whiteboard um, and we figure out how many things we have to build. Uh, what are all the moving pieces? Uh, outside of all the typical ones. So for architecture, I think it's really, really standard that there's always these phases, right? Schematic through CA. Uh, I think what gets left out is sometimes the oddities of every project. Like this one has historical, this one has special zoning uh, issues that might might take more time. Um, this one might have complications with, with its existing condition. Um, so really try to try and wrap your head around that. And that can start to kind of like, well, you know, I initially thought maybe I can do this project in a month. But based now on everything I wrote down, it's probably going to take three times as long. Yeah. Um, and, and generally, like, so I've, there's three partners. I, My other two partners are more heavily in the deliverable of work and where I'm more of the more of the manager. 
um, I always ask them how long it takes. They have a better experience of how long it takes. We're also close enough where I tend to just double what they tell me. <laughs> like I think that that rule is so arbitrary, but it's so it's it's been so key to to our success at the agency level. Or like my partner, oh, it'll take me two months, easy, not a problem. Uh, but it will take him two months if he did it himself, and he's really good and he's really fast. But we have a team, and there's communications, and things always happen here and there. Um, so at the end of the day, it takes it takes twice as long. Yeah, and that and that's that's comes from experience, right. So, so scoping is essentially what needs to be done uh, and how is it going to get done? Correct. Right. So you break down the project in terms of, in, like you said, in terms of architecture, most of us are using phases. What happens in each phase and what actually has to be, be done in each phase? Um, mm-hmm. And by in, being intentional about it and making it part of your process and part of your systems that you do look at every project before you even price it, what, the, what do you need to deliver? How are you going to deliver it? How long is it going to take? Who's going to do it? And mm-hmm. break that all down and, and schedule. And that's not necessarily schedule it out by date, but how long do these things take and what has to happen? And by doing that, things like what Robert says, you know, special, special codes or, or a special review process or a special uh, detail is going to take more time. And by being, being intentional about it, you'll see those early on and you'll have a more successful project. Yeah. From, from what I've noticed, if you spend a little bit extra time in the beginning of the project, um, there's less stress throughout. It's more predictable, which is always the, the goal of mine is to make things pre- predictable um, because there's always the unpredictable things that are the, that are the things that are going to throw you off track. Um, yeah. And if you do that, and one of the key things is this is something I've learned, you know, when, when we first started is like when, when I list things, I assume that I'm working on it full time. I assume that I'm going to be working on it 40 hours a week. Um, and this is like, I, that's how I calculate time. Uh, very quickly I learned like, well, I should not do that because I know I don't have 40 hours to work on that one project, right? I'm, we're running businesses. We have multiple projects going, uh, it's unrealistic for me to say I can spend 40 hours a week for three months on this phase because that's just not that's not possible. Um, so then you have to understand, well, is this one person in this phase? Is this a team in this phase? How many hours can I can I contribute? What's the realistic uh, achievable time uh, you know, to to accomplish that task? Uh, so when you're scoping, I think it's it's all about granular, right? You go from high level phase based, high level tasks to then actionable, deliverable things to down to like, well, how big is my team to to actually produce those results? Yeah, and that and that takes us back to time tracking, which is why time tracking <laughs> is so important, not only for your team but for yourself. Yeah, because you can't do that without time tracking. You can't like you just you just don't know you know you don't know for that project are you making two dollars an hour or are you making three hundred dollars an hour like there's just there's no way um, and you, there's no way for you to be like well if I am making three hundred there's there's definitely room for me to like spread and and build a team and and make the process a little bit more more manageable right like if you're if you're working too many hours but your billable rates are super high then theoretically you can bring on a teammate um, and, and lower your personal billable hour, but it, it de-stresses and makes sure that the project is delivered on time. Yeah, yeah, that's some good advice. 
Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that that people should be thinking about when they're planning out their projects, or did we catch them all? No, I, I, I think I think planning is such a big a big topic. We can probably talk all day. There's so many yeah. so many micro topics in, with inside. Um, I think I think the only words of advice is to to don't take it lightly. Um, good planning leads to good projects and leads to you not you know leads to architects breaking out of the stigma of us working eighty hours a week, um, and that's really just due to like the lack of you know it's just poor planning. Um, there's no reason why as a human being we should be working 40, 80 hours plus um, a week to, 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 to do the work in our profession. Yeah, I would, I would venture to guess that most of the people listening to us right now don't plan out their projects. So I'm talking to you who are listening right now. Do you mm-hmm. plan out your projects? Because I think if you do, you'll be more successful. If you, if you go through the process of breaking down the process of, of each project that you do and writing it down and putting it in, in some format, whether you use a digital tool or you put it in a sketchbook, actually go through the process of planning out the next project and see how much more successful it is. So, Robert, thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. Before we go, I, wanna, I want to ask you the one final question that I ask everybody that comes on the show. What is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build out a better uh, to build a better business for tomorrow? Well, let, we talked a lot about planning, so let's uh, let me flip the script a bit, and let's I'm gonna just say automation. Automation is it's would help any small business, and there's a lot of tools out there to help with that. Um, I I'll just leave you with this. I love Zapier. Uh, Zapier is a little tool that connects to other tools. Uh, which is great, meaning like if I, something happens, I can I can easily something else make something else happen, um, and that will take a lot of the stress in terms of just little too many little tiny manual tasks that every principal has to go through. Yeah, Zapier is a great tool. I use Zapier for for both my firm and Entree Architect. Um, that's a great tool too for architects, especially sole practitioners and small firms, to go check that out because that will make you more efficient. It'll it'll Things will automatically happen when you trigger one thing. It'll go through a whole process, and you can design these triggers uh, to, to to work the way you want them to. So that's great advice. So yeah. Robert, on the web, it's monograph.io. So anybody who wants to go see what's going on over at Monograph or see see what Dashboard is all about, monograph.io. Uh, all over social media, it's Monograph. So they can just go f- search Monograph in, in any of the social media, uh, and you'll find them. Anything else that you want to point out in terms of sharing uh, out in the social media? Anywhere else that you are? Uh, or is that it? I, really easy, accessible via email, too. Um, you can email me directly at robert at monograph.io. All right, robert at monograph.io. We'll sh- have all these links in the show notes. Robert, thank you very much for joining us today and for sharing your knowledge here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Alrighty. So what do you think of that about that one? What do you think about Robert Yoon's ideas on project planning? Go over to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes and go give us a rating and a little bit of a review. I would love to know what you think about this podcast episode and all the others. This is 226, episode 226. You can even share this link with a friend, entrearchitect.com slash episode 226. Go do that. Go put it on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, 
go share it with a friend through email. Go let them know because that's that's how we do this. That's how we're going to do this. That's how we're going to change the world one architect at a time through the Entree Architect podcast with you and your help. Go do it right now. And while you're at it, go visit ArcaSpeak podcast and Inside the Firm podcast. While you're over there at iTunes, go subscribe to those two epi- to those two podcasts as well. You won't regret it. Two very, very good um, architecture-based podcasts, ArcaSpeak podcast and Inside the Firm podcast. Did you hear that Alex Gore from Inside the Firm podcast recently launched a new digital course that teaches you how to get up and running on Revit? fast and easy. It's the course that we've all been waiting for. It's the course that we've been looking for. Those of us who have cur- are currently running uh, AutoCAD and want to move to BIM, this is it. Now's your chance. Alex recorded about 40 short tutorial videos. They're about 40, give or take. Sort of short little tutorials walking us step by step, holding our hand on how to set up families, how to set up sheets, how to get started using Revit for our own projects fast. The course is called Revit Rocket Ship, which I love, Revit Rocket Ship. And you can learn more, you can sign up, and you can support Entree Architect all at the same time by using our affiliate link, entrearchitect.com slash Revit. Pretty easy to remember. Go check out Revit Rocket Ship at entrearchitect.com slash Revit. And when you sign up, They'll throw us a little bonus and we can continue doing what we're doing. So thank you, Alex, for supporting Entree Architect and the Entree Architect podcast. And thank you guys for going to check out Revit Rocket Ship at EntreeArchitect.com slash Revit. The Entree Architect community on Facebook. It is the most interactive, most supportive, most encouraging, most positive place on the Internet for small firms. Come join us. It's free over at Facebook. It is awesome entrearchitect.com slash group and don't forget to learn how to earn that elusive 20% profit we can do it we can do it together download the free course profit for small firm architects at entrearchitect.com slash free course that course is free and it will teach you everything you need to know about how to set up a financial system for your firm and earn that 20% profit EntreeArchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect. And I encourage you, I do, I beg you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Because when you build a better business, the whole profession gets better. That's why I want you to go do that. Not only for you and your family and your friends and your firm, but for all of us. Because when we go build a better firm, each one of us builds a better firm, the profession thrives. So go do it. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. 
where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.